0: All right, here we are with Football Outsiders Live. It's our daily live stream. Hi, Aaron Schatz here from Football Outsiders. Welcome to Shots of Tanier, the Thursday edition, uh, where we preview week six in the NFL. Mike Tanier joins me as always. Our special guest today is Tom Gower, Football Outsiders writer and uh, expert on everything Tennessee Titans. We'll be getting to them at the end of the show because they're playing Monday night. Yeah. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. As you know, Football Outsiders live streams are 1 o'clock Eastern on weekdays, and you can see it via Twitter and Twitch and uh, Facebook and YouTube and later on as a podcast. And we hope you're joining us in one of those ways. And you are subscribing on your favorite service so you know when we're streaming live. And coming soon, we don't have it quite yet, but coming soon, a little thingy on the Football Outsiders website that's going to show the streams live when we do them. That's going to be pretty cool. A thingy? I think I I, I believe it's called a widget. Yes. Uh, yeah. It can also be referred to as a doohickey. <laughs> what should uh, call it? Are we still on LinkedIn Live? As far as I know, we are. In fact, still on LinkedIn Live. I, I never used LinkedIn, so I have no idea. But Is I believe it? we are still on LinkedIn Live as well.
1: That's a thing okay welcome LinkedIn. that's apparently a thing yes
0: uh so for people who have jobs talking about football with us on our live stream you can check out linkedin live i guess but uh you know the best thing is like youtube or or twitch because you can converse with us and we can take your questions and even though wednesday is ask me anything day we're happy to take your questions any day that we're on the air actually oh we're no longer on linkedin live i'm being told
1: oh no What did we do to offend LinkedIn?
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. How's the season treating you, Tom? Okay. It's been an interesting season so far with uh, Tennessee has really uh, the – I mentioned in audibles that Sunday's game against Jacksonville was really a throwback to the 2020 Titans with a really good offense and a defense that's almost as bad. (laughs) as opposed to the uh we'll get into the Buffalo game a little later as you mentioned but that could be more of the 21 Titans defense through the first four games uh game that's really about big plays by the opposing offense as opposed to uh just seven yards every every other play
0: yeah we're going to start with Mike's team instead of your team uh we're getting to all of our teams today on our list of games we want to cover but we're going to start with Thursday night so Let's start with Thursday night's game, which is Tampa Bay at Philadelphia. This will not surprise you, but the Tampa Bay playoff odds don't change much, even if they lose. They make the playoffs in 97% of Sims if they win, 88% if they lose. Philadelphia makes it 32% if they win, 13% if they lose. And this is the game where nobody wants to run the ball because- Tampa Bay, you know that Philadelphia has not been running the ball recently, but you may not know that Tampa Bay has not been running the ball recently. Tampa Bay and Philadelphia are 30th and 31st in runs if you exclude scrambles.
1: One of those teams has Tom Brady. So, yeah, okay, you're get, getting a little imbalance Not a bad idea. The other team has a quarterback in his second year. Well, I mean, let me throw this back to you because uh, Paul Domovich, uh, longtime. Legend in Philadelphia brought this up. I've mentioned it a couple other places. The Eagles aren't running because they're using screen passes constantly, incessantly and they had success with the screens earlier in the season. I think they had some success against the Falcons which shouldn't count uh, and, and against the 49ers, but they were the, the Panthers are just sitting on their screens. You know, establishing the run. We know that's a bad idea. What about establishing the screen is is that, a, is that a strategy that makes sense in football? It's
0: interesting because no Levante David in this game, right? He's the bet like him and White going sideline to sideline to stop screens. But, um, you know, you don't want to run against Tampa Bay. Nobody's wanted to run against Tampa Bay this year. They've faced the fewest runs of any team because Vita Veya is just sitting there in the middle of their defense waiting to stomp you.
1: Right, I'd be worried about Vita Veya just just spotting the screen because they're coached on it because they've seen it a million times. And sliding out to blow that up as well because he's got this ability. He's got the athleticism to, to break through the block. I will
0: note Tampa Bay is twenty fifth in DVOA against running backs as receivers.
1: Oh wow! Okay, Maybe they're not
0: that
2: good at picking up the screen game.
1: Yeah, let's. And they have only had a few days, few days to prepare for this. So who knows?
2: yeah, I was looking over the injury reports, and neither team practiced Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday officially. <laughs>
0: I was gonna say that can't be right.
2: Like I've, I was yeah, I just wanted to double check the uh the NFL's uh Wednesday injury report. If you go to the NFLcommunications.com, pull it up, it says there, neither team conducted a practice.
1: There was a there was an injury report for today. I don't know how recently it was. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and they do simulated injury reports, but okay, uh, what it was? because neither team because you can't do a real entry report if you don't actually practice. Right. But I, can, I, had, I haven't paid attention to how teams are preparing for Monday night, but that struck me as unusual.
1: That is unusual. I'd have to run through my email chain to find the Eagle stuff to see if they did a walkthrough. Of, I'm guessing they did a walkthrough. Yeah, I would assume that
2: both teams did a walkthrough of, or just something to prepare for the game.
1: Right. It's not even like this is a big travel issue thing. You can zip up and back into to Tampa very easily. So, um, either way, I don't see, despite the DVOA numbers here, I don't see the Eagles being able to like, use a lot of misdirection and do nothing but throw into the flats early and do anything to keep up with this Buccaneers offense.
0: Well, that's the thing is, I think the Eagles offense, based on DVOA, has been a little bit better than the Tampa Bay defense, which I think is a surprise. We think of the Tampa Bay defense as being so good. It hasn't been so far this year. But the Tampa Bay offense just <laughs> blows the Philadelphia defense out of the – like, even though the Philadelphia defense has been good, like the Tampa Bay offense has been so good that they blow the Philadelphia defense out of the water. And that's what I think about this game is, like, Philly has – Philly's surprisingly strong in DVOA right now. 16th is better than I would have expected. If you if I wasn't looking at the numbers and you asked me how good Philadelphia was, I'd be like, I don't know, 23rd? Right. Uh, but Tampa Bay is – their offense is just phenomenal. And the thing is, it's so deep that, like, what do you what do you try to stop?
1: Yeah, and I, and, and I don't think the Eagles have particularly deep defense. I mean, they're playing well on defense. Slay has a bunch of turnovers against Carolina, and that keeps them in the game last week. But it's not like, oh, you know, Eagles can go three deep, four deep at cornerback and then line up with these guys. If the Eagles have this great pass rush that can, like, stand up to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers – uh, offensive line they can kind of keep things close they can hold on for dear life but i don't i don't see that converting into a victory here and buccaneers defensive weakness is the secondary the injuries at the cornerbacks there now the eagles do have speed at wide receiver but most of what they do except for like taking one one or two shots per game over the top with pretty good success most of what they're doing receivers throwing receiver screens <laughs> because there's, the offense is so built around that yeah, and I don't
0: know—is there really like how much of a difference is there really between the starting cornerbacks and the backup cornerbacks when it comes to tackling guys on receivers? Like yeah. that's not—that doesn't seem to me to be like a big difference.
2: So, what do you expect from Philly defensively, Mike? Do you think they'll try to match up Slay with Evans and just to try to and try to play ten on ten with the other guys, or what do you expect from them?
1: I don't think Slay matches up that well with. With Evans. So, I mean, that's one tactic, but it's not like Slay is this shutdown corner where it's like, okay, we've neutralized Mike Evans here. Yeah. Um, I, I am not sure. I, I think there's, I think it's going to be a lot of, a lot of too deep, a lot of quarters and things like that mixed in, not a lot of blitzing, et cetera, and trying not to get the linebackers exposed. And you know, try not to get singleton exposed and and, and have, have things like that. I don't I don't see a tactic here that says, oh, well, this is it. This is the Brady neutralizing tactic. Yeah, you know, I've seen that you know, like like last year, the Bears had that. Like, oh yeah, we can match up in a certain way and bring edge uh, rush from this edge and neutralize Brady in that Thursday night loss last year. Eagles don't have that.
0: The uh my favorite next gen stat, stat of the week from the booklet that they send out to us, four different Eagles pass rushers last week generated six or more pressures. Only the second team to do so over the last four seasons. But Tampa Bay has the lowest pressure rate allowed in the league, according to pro football reference. So it's hard to get through that offensive line and get to Brady with four, given A, how good the offensive line is, and B, how good Brady is at getting rid of the ball when you get through to him.
1: Yeah, and you know it's Hargrave up the middle, he's having an all-pro season. He's phenomenal. Fletcher Cox remains a strong player. Yeah, sweat on the outside, uh, pr- you know, pretty good Barnett on the outside, pretty good. This isn't like this dominating thing. They had a really big game against the Panthers' offensive line, which isn't strong. Sam Darnold falling back to earth. It's not this thing where you're going to win so many matchups that you're going to pressure Brady. I guess not. You mentioned I could see the pressure up the middle, causing some problems for Brady. But that's like the first problem we've we've mentioned in this. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So like, oh, that might be one one Eagles advantage. And now and they have good
0: people. blockers up the middle. I mean, Ryan Jensen right. and Ali Marpet and. Yeah. I mean, it's not like Tampa Bay has a weakness up the middle. So no, not at all. Not at all. Um, I, I think we feel pretty strongly about Tampa in this game. Uh, the, the line is right now seven. I, that's what I have it as. Do you have it as six and a half? I've seen it at six and a half, and I've seen seven.
1: still see it at six and a half right here, uh, up to the second here. I took – I didn't take the whole game because I don't bet against the Eagles. I took the Buccaneers minus four for the first half to win the first half. Uh, so uh, because if you look at the Eagles, especially, I, I have the numbers. The Buccaneers running.
0: have a hot, very their DVOA is really strong in the first quarter, I right know.
1: Very strong in the first quarter, very strong in the first half, and the Eagles really. Very slow in the first quarter getting their offense off the ground because that's when they are throwing all these screens and swing passes and not getting the ball downfield. So I think the Buccaneers are going to win overall, but the first half spread gives me something. Uh, I can hit that. I don't have to worry about a meaningless touchdown late. I could go to bed if I choose to. So that was my play.
0: I would also, I think if I was forced to bet on this game, I would go with the Tampa Bay minus seven, definitely. And I would especially go with Tampa Bay minus six and a half if you can still get
2: that anywhere. Tom, what's your pick here? Uh, yeah, I'm also thinking uh, Tampa Bay minus seven, but I do really like Mike's idea of the first half line with how slow Tampa Bay has started and the incessant screen passes and <laughs> lack of ambition overall.
1: Yeah, I usually do first quarter, but then I watched in the past the Buccaneers have wanted to hand off five times in the first quarter. They get a little established the running in the past not this year, but that scared <laughs> me away from first quarter, so I went first half.
0: Uh, Mike, of course, being the one of us who I believe can actually gamble legally.
1: Can and do.
0: Um, Let's move on to our second game we wanted to cover this week, and that is the best of the 1 p.m. games, definitely, which is the Los Angeles Chargers at the Baltimore Ravens. Yes. Uh, Baltimore, 92% of the time they make the playoffs with a win, 76% with a loss. The Chargers, 86% with a win and 65% with a loss. The first thing I want to point out here is I've been talking about, like, why do we have the Chargers so low? Why do we have the Chargers so low? Every advanced metric on the web seems to have the Chargers low. Right. And I realized the reason why, they're just not that efficient. If you look at just yards per play, right, like it's the most simplest efficiency stat, that's not an advanced metric, right? Mm -hmm. They are 11th on offense and 10th on defense. So it makes sense that a team that's 11th on offense and 10th on defense, and average in turnovers, and bad on special teams, would be 11th in DVOA.
1: It seems right. Did you see what? Uh, did you see the sneak preview of walkthrough? No, I didn't. I didn't send it you. Okay. Uh, if you looked at them just offensively, game by game, the Chargers. It has gone up every game. Yes. So my theory is they have been getting better every game. That when they beat the beat Washington, but they didn't look very good. Originally, we were all like, oh, my God, the Washington defense. And they held their own. Isn't that great? No, the Washington defense stinks. Chargers didn't play well in the first game. They got a win over a weak team. Week two, we all remember that was the, 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 the red zone problem. So it's like, well, this was a team with red zone problems, so it wasn't that good. Then they beat the, Charger, the the Chiefs, excuse me, it was four turnovers that really helped them with that. So if you look at the DVOA week by week, it's gone from like negative whatever, 10%, up to like 55% against the Browns. They are an improving team, and they're improving in our ratings. But I think in our brains, when we're saying, why are they so low, why are they so low, we had in preseason, Justin Herbert, MVP candidate, et cetera, et cetera. And then we saw early season games that gave us a false read and we spackled over it and now we're asking questions like "Well, what, this team scored 47 points why are they so low they weren't that good to start the season they were not and they're getting better now and also
0: their competition hasn't been as good like we thought washington one of the best defenses in the league it turns right. out not right. we thought chief's best team in the league it turns out probably not right so like their competition other than dallas their competition has not been as good as we think it is and their wins have been close all their games except the Raiders game have been close their loss was close also and three of their wins have been close
1: yeah yeah but I was shocked to see that because I went looking for it like why why are they still 11th why are they below the 49ers for example and I was looking it up and it, it's sitting right there that the Washington game wasn't a phenomenal game it's not a game that if you look at it analytically, statistically you're going to say, oh, well, this is obviously a Super Bowl ca- candidate team. But we kind of interpreted it that way because we assumed that we were facing, you know, this legion of boom caliber defense.
0: Right. I think the one surprise DVOA is that the Chiefs game doesn't come out above zero. But it that does. was
1: a close game too. It does. The The offense does.
0: The offense does, right. The it whole the offense plus defense doesn't. The offense does.
1: Right. And they have four misses on extra points, and that's one of the reasons they're low on uh, – Special teams, teams. they have nothing out of the return game, which is a tiny thing in the the, uh, uh, grand scheme of things, except you're missing extra points, almost lose to the Browns because of a missed extra point. That's not nothing.
0: It's a huge gap in this game, by the way, is the special teams. Where Baltimore special teams are second in the league and we're projected to be the best in the league. And the Chargers special teams are 29th and we're projected to be the worst in the league. (laughs) So that's a big gap
2: in this game.
1: And running defense versus running offense is a bit of a gap, too.
2: Yeah, that's what really intrigues me about this game with, you know, Baltimore's streak obviously came to an end against the Colts as they really went to a more pass-heavy game plan. Uh, I didn't actually, when I checked the injury report, I didn't actually notice anything on Ben Cleveland and whether he'll be back. I think he's this- on IR now. Okay, did they, did they IR? Him? I thought they might after that injury, I but I wasn't did, sure. Yeah. But if you look at... Uh, the chargers defense they're 31st and success rate um yeah. only kansas city is worse and so i wonder if this is a against the run you mean no this is t- uh, uh on all defensive plays oh okay. on all defensive plays they're on all defensive sp- plays, they're,
0: they're horrendous against the run
2: yeah yeah they're horrendous against the run in particular but just uh that didn't, uh pull out separate run pass splits but just if you look at all offensive plays they have the worst success rate outside of kansas city on defense and so i wonder if this is a and so i really wonder how baltimore will look to approach this game if they try to work out some of their run game issues or if they just try to double down on the strategies that on the strategy that was so successful against Indianapolis's uh, questionable cornerback depth last week.
1: If they watch the Browns' footage, they're going to try to run through the heart of that defense. And they don't care if Latavius Mary or the other kid. or I mean, that was re- – I've never seen a running game like that, sort of like a high school field in terms of how easily the Browns – of course, the Browns have a great running game. We'll talk about that in a bit, how easy it was for the Browns.
0: Ravens' offense is best running up the middle. Chargers' defense is worst stopping, runs up the middle. Yeah. Yeah, this
1: is this is you have to you have to exploit this. Let me throw a prop at you guys real quick. This is a DraftKings prop. So, Lamar Jackson over seventy four point five rushing, and Justin Herbert over let's call it three hundred passing yards. So Lamar over seventy five rushing and Herbert over three hundred passing plus two seventy five. Smash the trash.
0: I like the plus 275. I don't feel like Lamar's has run, been running enough to get up to 75.
2: That's a good point. And he wasn't running efficiently. And so I don't see that unless they really get the run game back to 2019 levels. And I think they have fundamental, and I think they might have fundamental issues. So I, I don't, the matchup would have to be even more juicy than it is for me to want to have any part of Lamar rushing.
1: Yeah, that is a low uh, – it's not a lot of juice. But right now he's got – he's getting 68.2 yards per per game rushing Lamar at 6.1 a pop. So it's Isn't not – Is it that much? I feel like
0: he's not running as much as usual. Maybe it's because of scrambles. Maybe it's because I'm thinking like designed runs. Yeah, I think
1: there's more scrambles in there. And he did not look good on design runs uh, yeah. on, at all, I think. Uh, no,
0: he did. he didn't look like he was picking the right read. He also, was like running into guys like that should have been. He should have been reading the different one and handing off when he kept and keeping when he handed off and it didn't look like yeah. he was reading it right. Yeah, the whole-
1: especially one in the goal line like that. I remember. Yes. No specific.
2: yes. Yeah, um, the timing coordination is just off and that's not defense specific.
1: Yeah. Let me give you 107 rushing yards for Lamar against the Chiefs, 86 in the opener against Vegas. But since then, 58, 28, and 62. And he only ran seven times each against Detroit. He didn't need to run. Probably did because – Well. And seven against Denver, which I think that they, they were in control of that game. So, yeah, it's – I don't know if I'm taking it. I just want to throw it out there.
0: I mean, I like the Herbert 300. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, here's some numbers I was going to use yesterday if we talked about Lamar Jackson yesterday, but we didn't, so I have them for today. And that is Lamar Jackson's improvement passing to the outside is – very real. So I'm not looking here at the SIS splits of the like far outside. I'm looking here at just the NFL's marking of just the sides, right? Last year on deep passes, so 16 or more air yards to the sides, Mm -hmm. he was 63% DVOA, 23rd in DYAR. Like you always remember, you always have a positive DVOA on passes deep because when they hit, they're deep. They're good. (laughs) Right. Right. So he was 23rd in DYAR on deep passes to the side last year. Okay. This year, 103% DVOA, oh. sixth in DYAR. Hmm. He's throwing more deep passes to the outside right. and he's having more success. And then I looked at it just at six air yards or more. So this is just basically anything that's not too short to the outside. And again, he went from 25th in DYAR last year to sixth this year wow. so like there's no question lamar jackson has absolutely improved throwing to the outside like that has been a real improvement this year and it's shocking that baltimore is better ranked passing than they are rushing They're seventh passing and 16th rushing right
1: now and they needed it on monday night where they got behind the colts and uh, Tom knows he's watching enough Titans games against the, the Ravens where it's like, yeah, get them get them on their backs. Make them one-dimensional passing team, and you just beat them. That's not the case anymore, and that's a big deal in the AFC race.
2: And they're getting Rashad Bateman back. Yes, okay. he should be
0: playing some. I'm Not a full yeah. amount, but he should be playing some in this game.
1: Have we said that every week? Is that a Curtis Samuel thing where every week, well, they should be getting it?
0: No, because Curtis Samuel came back and then got re-injured.
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah. Um, Another thing I want to point out, by the way, the Chargers are 29th against tight ends. So this could be another big
1: Mark Andrews game. Oh, wow. Yeah, really, right in the middle of that defense, it's it's not strong. It's like a very soft center on that defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's funny because you don't think it should be because, first of all, Derwin James. Right. Mm -hmm. But Derwin James does so many different things that it's not like Derwin James is always covering the tight end or anything like
1: that. Right.
0: Right. um but and Kirk, he, kenneth murray's good but not great now he's injured and now it's drew tranquil in his space um so and, yeah
1: yeah and, and you know you, you got edge players you know there's bose is an edge player etc cetera, etc cetera, and you have secondary guys you don't say well this is the defensive tackle who's out there you know starting the oh, defensive
0: tackle is a real problem for them jerry tillery is
1: not tillery is struggling.
0: Um. Well, that Joey sucks says Baltimore's defense is like a truffle, hard on the outside, soft on yes, the inside. You're right. Yes, that we were talking about the Chargers, but you're absolutely right about Baltimore, where Patrick Queen has just not performed up to his draft status. Um, a truffle, yeah. it's
1: like a truffle.
0: And to uh, answer Joey sucks's other question, just to get to it quickly, how are play action numbers looking this year? It seemed like they might have peaked last year in terms of both usage and efficiency. I am afraid to tell you the answer is I don't know because I would have to go look it up. Like, I mean, it's not, I don't have it on the tip of my head. So it's hard to look up while we're doing the live stream. So I, I don't know whether teams are play actioning more this year than they did last year. Um, I, I do know that apparently the Steelers are play actioning a little bit more than they did last year, but that would be impossible for them to play action last.
1: means they did, yeah. they did it once. I'm sorry, but the truffle is like Wink Martindale said earlier that Justin Herbert Throw a strawberry through a battleship.
0: That was an awesome line.
1: I'm jealous I'd never wrote anything like that. That's poetry.
0: Uh, so the game right now is uh Baltimore by three. That's fine. I would take, I mean, I'm going with our numbers, I'm going with the I'm going with our numbers and ESPN's numbers and the athletics number. Like, everybody who does advanced stats has the Chargers lower than the Ravens. I'm going with the Ravens. I would say Ravens minus three, yes.
1: And I got them at two and a half sitting right now. So we're two and a half, definitely, I'm going to grab it.
2: Yeah. I'd love to disagree with you too now, but.
0: We're all we're all high on the Ravens. I mean, I would one of these weeks, I'd like the Chargers to lose and make me feel like I know what I'm talking about. They keep winning these close games and making me feel like a fool. But, you know, it would be nice. I mean, this, the other interesting thing about this game is it's two of the Last week was two of the most aggressive analytical teams, mm-hmm. but this week is also two of the most aggressive analytical teams.
1: And, and you know what? That 47-42 game, full of fourth down conversions. Yes. Full of fourth down conversions. There was a miss or two in there as well, uh, but there was a fourth and eight conversion by the Chargers. I think they were behind in the fourth quarter at that point, so they were kind of out of ideas. A lot of fourth and two, fourth and five. So, hmm analytically aggressive teams going for fourth down 47 42 final I, I think i think that that's a little bit of a proof of concept there
0: i mean i think the chargers there's i don't think there's a doubt the chargers are playing better than their rating would suggest in yeah. part because they've been aggressive on fourth downs and they're taking the win probability that other teams kick away right but they're also more success they're also better than advanced stats would suggest because they're an Completely and totally like unsustainable. I think seven of eight on fourth downs. Right, right. Yeah. Like that's not going to continue. Like they're not going to keep hitting every fourth down. Hmm. Uh, next game we want to cover. Let's move on to the four p.m. games. Arizona at Cleveland. Yeah. Arizona, ninety-five percent of the champ- time they make the playoffs with a win, eighty-six percent with a loss. Cleveland seventy three percent with a win, fifty two percent
1: with a loss. Two teams coming off of well, one team coming off a wild finish in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean the Arizona
0: Arizona won, but that game was not as certainly not as wild as the Chargers uh, Browns
1: game was. No, that was more of a just you know we got a rookie quarterback Trey Lance, and let's just gut check the win here. And uh, you know I, when when walkthrough drops tomorrow. The Browns fans are in the, what, Baker Mayfield, $40 million contract, what do we do, how is he really performing mood? So I'm going to be talking about that a little bit. But, you know, in terms of the idea that we know that the Browns are good enough to beat the Vikings and Bears, and they haven't quite been good enough to beat the, you know, the Ravens and the Chargers, I mean, the Chiefs and the Chargers, et cetera, et cetera. this is kind of a big game for them to demonstrate that they are the team they say they are, not just wild card also runs. And I'd extend that to Baker a little bit to say this is, these are the kind of games that you want to see Baker come out and have this huge game on if, he's, if you're going to say, "Well, yeah, this is guy worth 40 million dollar contract over the next six years, and we're not going to have any regrets about that down the line.
0: I mentioned this on Twitter, but it surprised me because a lot of the talk about how Arizona's defense has been much, much better than projected, right It's been about Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt. But Arizona is actually just 24th in pressure rate, according to PFR, and 22nd in pressure rate, according to ESPN Stats and Info, which really surprised me. It's much lower than their sack rate. Their adjusted sack rate is nine. And the Browns do not allow a lot of pressure on offense. They are fourth lowest in offensive pressure rate. So I don't know if this is the game where Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt wreak havoc.
1: I don't think it is, but is it the game where uh, Baker Mayfield throws the ball more than 10 yards down the field and completes a pass? That's kind of where we were last week. I I think it was the same conversation we had last week. And, you know, that Browns offense, the running game is phenomenal. It really is. Um, And their passing game is all screens and rollouts. And every once in a while you take the shot. And last week they got the shots and they got big plays out of it because – you hit a guy downfield and it would be a missed tackle and it would be forty. Well, yeah, the
0: one that gets me is the Njoku in the middle of the field where Nasir Adderley just kind of shoved him a little bit and then he just ran the rest of the way. Like,
1: Right. I'm also wondering with the Cardinals' pass rush, because I didn't see a lot of pass rush against the uh, 49ers, got the impression that they were protecting Trey Lance a lot on the other side. How much of that is – they've been in prevent a lot. They've been able to sit back against the Titans – they, they crushed them early in the game. Then they could sit back a little bit. Uh, against the, the Rams, it made more sense late in that game to drop back in the coverage and to try to attack Stafford. It might be something they can turn on and off if they need it.
2: Yeah. After you mentioned the Chargers and their fourth down success, I think the counterpart to that is the 49ers against the Rams last week. I mean, Kyle Shanahan was almost was about as, as aggressive as as Staley was. And, mm. you know, they were – what did they finish that game? One of five on fourth downs?
1: yeah. Yeah, but they were running the the Lance draw when it looked pretty obvious they were running the Lance draw. I don't think that they had a full confidence in their play. Oh, they ran the Kyle Yushik play. Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah, where Yushik goes in motion and then he takes the snap. And they they ran that successfully a couple weeks ago, but he he comes running across the formation. You can just see, I feel like that's
0: overthinking things compared to just having a quarterback do a quarterback sneak.
1: Yeah, when it's Trey Lance and he's super talented, right? Right. Um.
0: Cleveland's defense, by the way, fifth against the run, but only 19th against the pass, including 29th against deep passes and 32nd against passes on the right side of the field. That shocked me because that's normally where Denzel Ward is, and he's their best cornerback, but he hasn't been so far this year. Actually, I looked up Sports Info Solutions numbers. They have him as the most targeted cornerback on Cleveland so far this year. And he's giving up more yards per play than either Newsom or Greedy
2: Williams.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. And he'll
2: probably be on Hopkins uh, a lot. Uh, Hopkins normally lines up to the offensive left. So that
0: do you move Ward to cover Hopkins or do you leave Ward on that side, even though he's supposed to be your best corner and keep him, even though that means he's covering A.J. Green rather than Hopkins?
1: I don't know. I feel like they also had some big plays on over routes to the right side that I saw on, on film, where it's not necessarily Denzel; it's guys getting across the formation on the other yeah. on the other. Ward uh, and Newsom,
0: by the way, useful baker says Ward and uh, Newsom were hurt last week. Right. Ward, what well, played? Ward did play last week. Um, Newsom was hurt last week. Yes, you will need them both this week. No question oh, about
1: it. That is the truth.
0: Um so uh cleveland and arizona the line is currently uh cleveland by three it's Mm -hmm. moved last time i had it, it was cleveland by two and a half now it is cleveland by three yep
1: where are you going with this tom
2: um you know you mentioned uh The weakness against deep passes i'm actually really concerned for arizona with rodney hudson cliff kingsbury has has already declared him out for this week and he's been he's been a significant part of how well their offensive line has played you know obviously kyler can still scramble around but with cleveland's with garrett and uh cleveland seems like cleveland's talent up front has been better than i expected them to be this year then i think arizona might struggle a bit more than we might than you might think and i think they'll need some time to also adapt to max williams who let them really kind of diversify their offense more than it had been last year and so i think i'm actually leaning cleveland in this game even though it's baker and those deep passes and it's just frustrating for me to watch
1: todd singer points out you know cleveland 17th against wide receiver one 22nd against wide receiver two. assume that's ag green You can't really assume who wide receiver two is in the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, I mean, we have it as Kirk, I believe, but I have it marked to check because I I don't know whether I would call Green wide receiver two or Kirk wide receiver two.
1: You look at the targets and they're all over the place. And Max Williams will hurt a little bit, but they're using Rondell Moore so much in the screen game. They're using Kirk a lot. They are using A.J. Green. He's like the, the boundary role. So if you're talking about the guy standing there in that position, it probably is Green. Um, but that's yeah. one of the problems with this. You're right, though. The Hudson injury is gonna be a potentially a problem, especially moving forward with the Cardinals. I am going Cardinals that three points doesn't interest me. I'm going Cardinals money line plus one fifty. I I like the idea of getting three-point cushion, but I think the Cardinals are gonna win straight up. I'm comfortable with that, so I'm gonna get bigger payout. So I'm going Cardinals with the money line plus one fifty. So you're
0: going you you like the Cardinals to go to six and oh.
1: Yeah, you know what? And I write about it in walkthrough. It's like my reasons to be worried are almost like gambler's fallacy type reasons, like oh, yeah. due do for that game. Like it's not due for, No one's due for anything. You know, it's like it's like they are who they are. Now again, there's reasons like you, you said to think that they might injuries might be slowing them down and all. I don't see enough there to be uncomfortable with taking the Cardinals. I like
0: the three point cushion. I would definitely I would go Arizona plus three on this one. Um, I think with the line, if the line lower, I'm kind of feeling I might be a little bit more inclined to go towards Cleveland, but uh, I like the idea of Arizona. I I was about to say on the road getting three, but I don't know if that matters anymore, right? right? This is the third straight year where home field advantage has just been completely disappeared. Like,
1: does it even matter that Arizona is on the road? It's still permanently stuck in my brain. I'm still going to think that way. Um. I mean, it's just two
0: and a half years, I guess, because we're only partway through the year. But that yeah. that it yeah. hasn't mattered. Uh, let's do another four p.m. game: Las Vegas at Denver. Uh, <laughs> this is actually a really important game for the playoffs. Okay. Because these team because of the fact that the AFC West, you know, these teams have winning records in the AFC West, and the Chiefs are only two and three. And you look at the wild card race. Anyway, Vegas makes the playoffs in 52% of our Sims if they win, 25% if they lose. Denver, 60% when they win, 31% when they lose. Mm-hmm. And we'll start off with, I have absolutely no idea what the psychological or game planning ramifications of John Gruden re- uh, resigning are. Right,
1: No idea. Right. And Rivers invoked the one I was thinking of yesterday on yesterday's Twitch class, which was bully game. Yes. yes no bullygate Dan Campbell comes in after Joe Philbin and the other guys were fired and they they win 38 to 10 against the Titans sorry this keeps coming up um <laughs> but the, first of all there was a bye week there um but but it's just it's, it's all very very different also there are actual players involved with that so we're not talking about in Bullygate some sort of psychological ramification type thing so much as, oh, the starting offensive line had to be readjusted and shuffled because guys who were pro bowlers before were, were you know, out the door and, and things like that. So it's almost like we've got one data point and it's and it's garbage. I mean, my gut tells me this is a kind of distraction, quote unquote, that you that guys can't just tune out. It's a little bit bigger than that. Um, but but I don't know. That's just a, that's just speculation.
0: Uh, The Las Vegas passing game, I'll point out, has declined. It was, you know, kind of underrated the last couple of years. But the Las Vegas passing game is down to 20th in DVOA. Mm -hmm. And their running game has been terrible all year. It's 30th. Yeah.
2: And we've seen greg olson offenses a couple times before and it's like his best work is 2013 in oakland when he was recovering from the ill-fated greg knapp zone blocking experiment and that was not a good team and that was not a good offense it's he's been there he was with the rams he's we've seen him with the jaguars it's just it's hard to have a lot of confidence i mean as you you've wrote about john gruden's ability to come out with some useful plays and uh Get into a rhythm sometimes with how he's attacking a defense and it's hard to see and that was gruden at his best as opposed to gruden at everything else gruden did both <laughs> on and off the field yeah. so it's hard to see olsen getting in that same kind of rhythm it's hard to, it's hard for me to be bullish on the vegas offense going forward
1: no there, there were a lot of guys who i think were at the absolute maxed out early in the season how they were playing brian johnson maxed out. Mm -hmm. Hunter Renfro was kind of maxed out uh, along the way there. And those guys are just, and they're not bad players, but they're just kind of going back to being who they were, you know, pretty good, uh, all-purpose slot guy, decent possession guy, not this higher level thing where they're rocking off 25-yard gains every week. And you're right. I, I think, you know, Gruden's strength was that he could come up with a customized game plan. And I think we saw evidence of that really in the last couple of years where they would come out And, you know, the first half, it's like, wow, like 17 different guys got involved and Alex Ingold is running seam routes and all these things are happening and it's working. That's gone now and it's replaced with a vanilla at-best coordinator. Um, The flip side of this is the Broncos are just an injury report that they're not even a team anymore. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, they've declined since they're starting 3-0. There's no question about it. Um, Raiders are 25th against tight ends, so this could be a big Noah Fant
1: game. <laughs> it might be because it, they've got to feed a lot of things through him and the other tight end whose name I can't pronounce. Very. Far uh, uh, no, team. I think other
0: tight end is injured. Other way. tight end with the African name we can't pronounce, I believe Albert something.
2: Albert, o. Albert
0: In, o. is injured. Like, I think it's Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant. And then you get to, like, Kendall Hinton.
1: And Sutton didn't look that I mean, he actually looked good late in the fourth quarter. They fired it down the sidelines early in the game. They're having a hard time getting the ball to him. So it, it comes down to I was impressed in the fourth quarter by the Broncos because it was gut check time there. And then Teddy Bridgewater starts opening it up and throwing downfield and converting some fourth downs. That's the team I think can come out and get a win against the Raiders. I just don't know what that team's going to do four or five, six weeks down the line when they have to try and get wins against the Chargers and the Chiefs.
0: How yeah. That? So, uh, We've got Denver favored by three and a half in this one. Yeah. It has – uh, yeah, it started at two and a half, and it's moved to
1: three and a half, and I'm And I'm, I'm feeling Denver. I'm sorry. Coach getting fired under a shroud of racism is one point. <laughs> 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 like, like, see the world through this prism. Uh, no, I, yeah, I like the bron- – I'm going to stay away from the game because I don't necessarily like – at three and a half, like two and a half was better, that field goal win. But I would I would lean toward the Broncos.
2: And yeah, you know, this is if you're just uh, telling me this game in g- general, I would sh- stay away from it. I'm just not confident in what I'm going to get from the Raiders this week. But uh, you're making me take a choice. I'll take the Broncos three and a half.
0: Yeah, I I guess you're right about the not knowing of sort of psychological effects on the Raiders. But I think I feel a little bit better about the Broncos than you guys do. So.
1: Yeah, I don't even want to watch this game though. That's the thing. Ooh. Well, you don't have
0: to because it's not the national game. The game that's going to most of the nation is Dallas at New England.
1: Oh, only, so it's baseball playoffs. That's why there's only three, four o'clocks, right?
0: Um, I think Probably. that might be it, but I think more that it's just because we're down to 14 games instead of 16 this week, and so there's only three, four o'clocks
1: inject cardinals browns into my brains uh, uh, into my veins let, let, yeah let's talk about cardinals uh, cowboys patriots
0: yeah i mean I'm, i mean the thing is this is not the best of the 4pm games but this is the one that is going to most of the country because the country loves dallas we think uh well i mean because the television executives have research that shows that the country loves dallas and they give us dallas on these national games. We got Dallas against the Giants last week. We're getting Dallas against New England this week. Like, yeah,
1: yeah. It's probably going to be a similar
0: feeling kind of game, I think. Uh, Dallas makes the playoffs in ninety-four percent of the sims if they win, eighty-five if they lose. So this is not that important to them. New England, forty-nine percent of the chances uh, of the sims if they win, twenty-eight percent if they lose. Mm. So it's a big one for. Patriots well they're all big I mean for the teams that are like you know if you're if you're two and three and you're trying to get back into the wild card hunt they're all big three and two or two and three that's why the game is big for Vegas and Denver too it's right but for Dallas they've got such a lead on their division that an out of conference loss is not going to mean much for them because it's not going to come up God forbid they lose their lead in the NFC East it's not probably going to come up so, right. How is that? I this can't. Is not, this is not. Um. You know, one of the tiebreakers is common games. This is the seventeenth game.
1: Ah. Okay. So this
0: is not a common game with Philadelphia and Washington. Right. This is this is a game that only Dallas plays. That's
1: that's another reason why it's not important for tiebreakers. Convince me that this isn't going to be a, ca- a Cowboys romp. Convince me, if you can.
0: Oh, I was going to ask you to convince me. I'm sorry, Tom.
1: <laughs> convince, ah, convince us. <laughs> convince us. This is not going to
2: be a Dallas game. Um, Bill Belichick still has some game planning tricks that he can use against Dak Prescott. Um, Dallas has come out with some very run heavy game plans the last couple of weeks. Uh, this they're completely not the team that just threw the ball on basically every play against the Buccaneers in Week One. Um, you have a little bit of you know Dak. The first half of the Giants game was competitive. It was like Dak was almost trying to. He had three, four near turnover plays. That game stayed competitive. Um, mm-hmm. The Dallas defense has improved. It's still not great. Um, Mac Jones is really good at throwing the ball three yards downfield. That's a way to sustain offense some of the time. Um, this could stay like last week's giants game this could stay competitive into the third quarter but and then i expect dallas could pull away but and then you know it wouldn't be out of bounds for new england to you know get a late touchdown make it so the game feels so the game has a margin that reflects that it's kind of close even though it never felt like new england was seriously going to win the game but yeah uh, that's my sort of Best case scenario. Yeah, case.
0: I was going to say the problem with the run-heavy offense is the Patriots' defense is eighth against the pass, but twenty-second against the run.
2: Yeah, I mean it's so still, it's
0: not it's so that actually would be attacking the weakness of the Patriots' defense to
2: run the ball a lot. It's you know it's even even as even in a relatively favorable matchup, you still have be uh, you face three third and twos on a drive. You you have to convert all of them, and that's not yeah. likely.
1: But the, Cow- the Cowboys are running the ball real well. It's a diverse. Yeah, they are. It's not, yeah. It's not one of these things where it's like they're just handing off off tackle. They're using both backs. They're putting both backs on the field at the same time. Here's, well, uh, Patriots have been outscored 21 to 10 in the first quarter. Patriots have only scored 10 first quarter points this year. Uh, Cowboys in the first quarter outscore opponents 45 to 27. Um, Since you asked, the first quarter spread is Cowboys minus one. And, yes, I've already played for the Cowboys to to win the first quarter here. Um, And then once that happens, this is going to be a tilted game. It's going to be a tilted game towards the Patriots trying to play catch-up. And one thing about the Giants is they can play catch-up with the 160-yard pass per game Daniel Jones throws and the one option that he runs that surprises everybody. And I don't know what the catch-up game for the Patriots looks like. I, I guess we saw it against the Texans, but that was the Texans. It passes out. to Hunter Henry, apparently. Yeah, it's, and Henry looked great, obviously. And like uh, end-arounds
0: by Kendrick Bourne.
1: End-arounds by Ken, and stupid fake punts by
0: the other team. Todd, Todd, Todd Singer points out Dallas is poor against tight ends, so maybe this could be a big Hunter Henry game. And yeah. they've moved a lot more towards Henry as the receiving tight end and Jonu Smith as the blocker Interesting. rather than the other way around after Jonu Smith's hands were so bad against the Saints in week three. Right. New England is bad against passes to running backs, so maybe more Tony Pollard. I mean, both both Pollard and um yeah. they can both they can both catch. I mean they're both decent receivers. Yeah. Jairs yeah. asked Hunter Henry or Ertz for my tight end? Gotta be Henry, Goddard. right? Goddard is out. I
1: don't know what our projections would say. Uh let me let me look that up. Hold on a second. Yeah. Well Todd just says Dallas is poor against tight ends. So that is that's Probably a factor there. Yes. Um, and one thing, as Aaron looks that up, I'll point out the Eagles aren't throwing their tight ends a lot. Now, Goddard, I think, was getting about as much as Ertz, but this is a very screen heavy, sideline heavy, wide receiver, Henry heavy, Henry heavy offense where the ball does get to the tight ends, but not as much as it did in the past.
0: I will say that Scott has not updated the projections yet to remove Goddard, but he had Hunter Henry above both Goddard and Ertz. Okay. So if you if you, if you you think Ertz is going to do what Goddard and Ertz would have done together, then you do Ertz. If you think Ertz is going to do what Goddard would have done, you would go Hunter Henry. No, um,
1: no. Just go against go against the Cowboys defense. Don't go against the Buccaneers
0: defense. Joey sucks. says, Aaron, how are you as a fan feeling about New England this year and the next two to three years? I think I wrote about it in audibles. Uh, I was... Optimistic going into the season that they were going to be a wild card contender, and to me that would have been a successful season. Uh, I was still optimistic despite the Saints game. Uh, I'm no longer optimistic. The Texans game, despite the fact that they came back to win it, really made me feel like this is a below average team. Um, I think I think Mac Jones can be a really strong win with quarterback. He's not going to be a win because of quarterback, but I think he can be a really strong win with quarterback. The question is, the thing is, I don't feel that confident about Belichick's ability to put a a, a team around him that carries him to, to victory because I don't like Belichick the GM as much as I like Belichick the coach. Like Belichick the coach will coach up the roster that Belichick the GM <laughs> makes mistakes with. Right. Right. Like we yeah. look at the, the defensive. Uh, spending in the offseason came out, I think, pretty well. Judon looks awesome. Godshow is good. Mills has been useful. The offensive... Henry Henry Anderson, before he got hurt. The offensive spending looks lousy. The fact that they made Henry and Smith like the two of the top five tight ends in the league looks ridiculous now, and they're barely getting the ball to Aguilar. The only offensive purchase that looks good is Kendrick Bourne. Right. So that's, I mean, I guess what I feel like is they're they're in line to be a team that is an average team where Belichick's coaching could get them above average, but I don't think they're going to be a major Super Bowl contender. Um, I just don't have enough confidence in Belichick, the GM. And yeah, Todd Singer says, if New England can just hit on drafting a wide receiver one, but how many years have we said that? Like, yeah, Belichick is not... Has proven to not be good at drafting wide receivers.
1: Right, right. That's mm-hmm. all true. It doesn't seem like there's an integrated rebuilding plan in place. And I'm not talking about tanking or things like that. I think I...
0: spending the money was a lot of the rebuilding plan.
1: It, that was like quick fixy kind of yeah, round. but
0: they were they were they were spending it on guys who were 26, not guys who were 30.
1: But they weren't but spending on guys who were 26 who were budding superstars, except Jadon, I guess. A 26-year-old. Role player. That's
0: the yeah. thing is why did they give all the money to cook uh, to um why did they give all the money to Henry and, and Johnny Smith? Right. It's just, right. it's weird. Right. Yeah. Um, Dallas is favored by three and a half. My God. Uh, Joey sucks says the last good receiver they drafted was like Edelman. I mean, if you right. give them credit for a uh, drafted free agents, the last good receiver is J- Jacoby Myers. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I, I they they have not drafted good receivers like for Belichick's whole career. They have not drafted they have not been good at drafting receivers at all.
1: And they um, as much developed Edelman as drafted him, really. The only
0: thing that would keep me from putting money on the Cowboys minus three and a half is my desire to not bet against my team.
1: The only thing keeping me from putting on money on the Cowboys minus three and a half is that I'm a lifelong Eagles fan.
0: And that you already put money on the Cowboys for minus one
1: for the first quarter. <laughs> it's true. That's how I get around my, 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 my aversions.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I tried to make the case. I wasn't really convinced of it myself. Um, I would also go Dallas minus 3.5. But the,
0: the, as a lifelong Eagles fan, you have no problem rooting against, well, I guess because you don't want to have to be rooting for the Cowboys the same way that I don't want to have to be rooting against the Patriots.
1: Right, right. And and again, I can sort of like say, oh, it's a first quarter, it's like a goofy little prop. And then it doesn't really affect the outcome of the game. So, you know, that is little things you do to trick your brain.
0: Just one other stat, by the way, that I put down here Dallas is susceptible to passes in the middle of the field, Hmm. both short middle and deep middle. The Patriots rank 29th on passes to the middle of the field. So, (laughs) yeah, it's it's you would think with the tight ends and Jacoby Myers, they would and 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 Mac Jones being a distributor, they would be better at passes in the middle of the field. But he's mostly distributing to the sides. He's not as good at distributing the
1: middle. Yeah, a lot of hash mark to the numbers, up to about eight yards downfield, and then some flat stuff.
0: So, all right, let's do uh, Monday night. Sunday night, I think we can just skip past, right? Like we don't want to talk about Geno Smith and the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's not going to be great fun to watch.
1: No, I, I, I'm fine with that. I've, I've, I've got a pick on that in that game, but I don't know if we need to go into all that. So you know, it's Pittsburgh
0: by five. If, I, you had put, if you had to put the cash down, what would you do for Pittsburgh? By, Pittsburgh minus five.
1: Same game parlay madness. I am taking the Seahawks plus 5.5, and the over of 42.5, and I believe I got about plus 260 on that.
0: Yeah, that's some Geno Smith belief right there. Little Geno Smith played belief. well in his little bit that he played last week.
1: Little Geno Smith belief with a five-and-a-half-point cushion on there, a little of the old adage, the veteran backup making the first start with the custom game plan, and the over under the mentality that there could also be – points off turnovers a lot in this game where you have, Ralph, uh, again, the Steelers fans have convinced themselves Roethlisberger is fine now because he played kind of, sort of, maybe okay in one game. Uh, right. He's not fine. Um, Gino will probably turn the ball over along the way. I think they can move the ball a little bit. And that's going to that's going to keep me awake. So that's it. Same game parlay. Get a big payout. Maybe game the system a little bit if Smith has, like, one good custom game plan game in. And everyone's silent. <laughs> like, okay. Buffalo at
0: Buffalo, Tennessee Monday night. A better game on paper if you don't look at advanced stats because Tennessee is 3-2. and If you look at advanced stats, there's a colossal gap between these teams. Buffalo makes the playoffs. This is fun. 99% of the time with a win, 97% of the time with a loss. Tennessee makes it 78% of the time with a win, 59% of the time with a loss. uh, To tee
1: you off, Tom, it's like the the rest of that division is so terrible that it's not ninety nine percent for the Titans. Is an indictment of the Titans.
2: Uh yeah. Uh, so the Titans defense is playing. Uh, I mentioned this in the int- uh in the early part of this one, but the Titans defense has been playing much better on a play to play basis this year, but in their two losses, what's really killed them in particular is Kyler Murray and Zach Wilson getting out of the pocket and finding receivers open downfield on what, what, what Greg, Greg Cosell calls second reaction plays. And now they're facing Josh Allen, who's extremely mobile and has a very strong arm and has shown and has had success this year, finding open receivers deep downfield for chunk plays in the past game late in the down. Mm. and, you know, the Titans, I know the Titans-Bills game uh, last year on the the weird Tuesday night game didn't end up as the DVLA's weirdest game of the year, I don't think. But it <laughs> felt like it based on the Titans' ability to shut down Josh Allen. I think that Buffalo will come into Nashville this time, and I would not be surprised if they score 40 points.
1: Ooh. Ooh. Yeah,
0: I think this is the Bills' revenge for last year's Tuesday game.
1: What's I mean? My impression is I've seen very little out of the pass rush. I've seen very little out of the run defense. I've seen very little out of the secondary. What have you seen, Tom? Uh,
2: Second round pick Christian Fulton was barely played last year because he was injured, and what he did play, it wasn't good. But he's been actually really solid this year. I've been really impressed with him. I was not expecting that at all. Uh, Jack Rabbit, now called he's now Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Okay. Uh, he's. 33, and he's. And we'll see if he's in the NFL next year. Uh, they're struggling at the slot, they ended up playing uh Fulton some in there after their mm-hmm. normal slot. They well, they started with uh, third round rookie Elijah Molden. Uh, yeah. he just got run out of the building by Christian Kirk, and then the C and then the Seahawks. They can't, uh, it's he's probably now a safety project rather than the current nickel. So they're starting with so they they're really searching for answers in the secondary and Harold Landry's had a really good fourth season so far. Um, I really like him, but Bud Dupree admitted he shouldn't have tried to play that soon coming off his ACL injury. Um, I'm not expecting him to play this week. And if he does, I'm not expecting much from him. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons has not made the the leap as a pass rusher. Their overall defensive line depth in terms of pass rush is better with Danico Autry, but overall it's hard to, for me to see them uh really slowing down buffalo's offense and the run game has been and then so it's up to tennessee's offense to keep pace uh scoring and they're they haven't operated with much efficiency most of the season uh Derek Henry there is this year is about the value of a back is on pace for 480 carries at a roughly yes. league average level and just how valuable you think that is um I don't think that's that valuable <laughs> and I'd like to see them try to pass more on early downs but that doesn't seem to be part of their identity yeah, t- even with Tennessee the new is- coordinator
0: 26th right now in passing DVOA. it's a huge mm-hmm. decline from last year how much would you blame that on the injuries to brown and jones and how much on the new offensive coordinator and how much on just random variation
2: um part of it is they're a very top heavy teams so that are really dependent on brown and julio in particular and uh, both of them have had bad games and and missed time so it's and they're not throwing the ball very often in early downs. Um, this last week against Jacksonville was especially extreme. It's the, it's might have been the league's most run-heavy game plan in the first on first and second downs in the first three quarters since like uh, Jacksonville Blake Bortles. <laughs> it was it was completely absurd how how much they ran the ball. So and then Brian Tannehill has not been a good. Th- obvious passing down quarterback in Tennessee it's like the big hidden secret it's yeah, his, his third right. longs have always been trouble you know yeah yeah, yeah and, and he's been so good on first and second downs and when they've been in the, been in these balanced situations and the Titans it's like the you know it made the it got the headlines against the Jets because they had to settle for field goals in the red zone yeah. but they were I mentioned in audibles they were actually like 28th and DV and Third down passing dvoa that week and they were like 29th on the season overall and so they're really dependent on Tannehill to be good at converting third downs to sustain offense and that has not been a winning formula that's not been a really strong formula so far i mean there's they beat the colts and the jaguars and and good. then they had the big comeback in seattle when they had their one good offensive game but it's it's not a strong formula right now
1: i feel like the jets game especially it was a little bit Henry on first down, well, the Jets are stacked up for Henry on first down. They did run some play action to stay off of that a little bit. But as soon as you're in second and long, it's like the play action disappears too. And in the Jets game, they didn't have either of the top receivers. So it was like, you know, Tannehill, go back there and see who gets open down the field. Well, that's that's not a plan. You knew you didn't have your wide receivers. Where are tight end screens? Where are some other things to diversify that? And there was none of that against the Jets. I, I think it was less a problem. Against the Jaguars because you were able to sustain your lead through most of the game, so you could hide some of the weaknesses.
2: It's 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 a fragile formula right now, and against and I feel like we we're still not sure exactly how good Buffalo's defense is and right. where they might be vulnerable. I just haven't looked at them closely enough to try to figure that out yet. But it's hard to see Tennessee sticking with their basic game plan and having as much success as. I expect Buffalo to against the Tennessee defense.
0: Right. Buffalo is not going to continue to be this good on defense. Nobody has ever continued to be this good on defense for a whole season, except the 91 Eagles. Yeah. Uh, but I think that this hot start and the fact that they did it against Kansas city, that it's not just one game against Houston does suggest this may be the best defense in the league this year in the long run. Right.
1: And that I feel comfortable with it, Cause when you start looking at historic defenses, you're like, who are these guys to stack up against Reggie White and you know Jerome Brown and Brian Dawkins? Right, like, or the
0: '85 or the '85 Bears? Just Dan
1: Hampton and Mike Singletary. Like, the, they're not those guys. But to be a very deep defense that's exceptionally well coached this year, and to be the best one, absolutely, that makes sense.
0: You know, it, it, they actually do make an interesting comparison to the 2019 Patriots. I know that doesn't sound positive because the 2019 Patriots did decline over the course of the year and had the really bad game in week 17 against the Dolphins, but they have the really, really good number one corner.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: They've got good cornerback depth behind him. Right. They've got strong, good safeties. Yep. Uh, Milano in the middle of the defense is more of a pass. He's more of a pass coverage guy than high tower, but they've got the strong linebacker in the middle of the defense. And their pass rush is more of a, um, of a of a wave after wave of guys rather than a star.
1: Right. That's it, where you can go, oh, we bring in guys, bring Rousseau in off the bench or have A. Right. a-, a- AJ Epinesa coming in in different things. So, yeah, it's like, oh, double cover one guy in your set. You can't do that against the Bills.
0: Uh, R.I.P. Malcolm Mitchell. Oh, I guess that goes back to the discussion of who's the last good receiver the Patriots drafted. Yeah.
1: Hey. I remember him, yeah. Yeah, he had one
0: good year, and then you he's like the Greg Cook of receivers. We'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know how good he would have been in the long run.
1: <laughs> Malcolm Mitchell, the Greg Cook. We were talking about Malcolm Mitchell 30 years from now. So,
0: somewhere there is – I don't know who it is. Somewhere there's a receiver who had an even better rookie year than Malcolm Mitchell who then got injured. That's Shepherd. the Greg Cook of receivers.
1: Shepard for the Cowboys.
0: Ma- Malcolm Mitchell was not – Malcolm Mitchell did not have a rookie year that compares with what?
1: Somebody in the chat remembers who I'm talking about. It was His name was Shepard. He played for the Cowboys. Not Sterling
0: Shepard. Not a Sterling
1: Shepard. Oh, gosh. No, 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 no. no.
2: Russell Shepard?
1: Sherrard. Sherrard. Mike Sherrard. Oh, Mike Sherrard. Sherrard. Had a, a great rookie year and then kept getting like Jason Varrett level injured for several years. After
0: yeah, I was going to say Michael Clayton, but Michael Clayton yeah. just sucked. He, just he didn't sucked. get injured. He just, just all of a sudden sucked. Right. <laughs> um, after his awesome rookie year. Um, All right. That does it for the show, folks. Well, uh, no, we should do picks. We should do picks. Buffalo minus five and a half. I think that line is way too low. I would take Buffalo.
2: Anybody Same. Agree
0: here? Same. I'm a glass
2: half empty Titans fan. It's uh, Buffalo minus 5.5. 5. All
0: right. Buffalo minus. We all love Buffalo minus 5.5. 5. Get it while you can. Uh, thank you all for tuning into the show, folks. I'm Aaron Schatz. That's Mike Tanier. That's Tom Gower. Football Outsiders live stream is on all of these steaming, streaming places and steaming. They're steaming hot streaming places. Uh, 1 p.m. Eastern on weekdays and then afterwards on YouTube, as well as the Football Outsiders podcast network. Please rate the show. Please subscribe. And tomorrow, please come back at 1 p.m. for Scott Spratt and guests discussing fantasy football and your DFS slate for week six. And thank you for tuning in to Shots and Tanier. And everybody, enjoy Tampa Bay Philly tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow, or at least Scott will. Scott will talk to you tomorrow.